Hey everyone, welcome back to the 440 Guitar Podcast. Thank you for tuning up. This is Season 2. My name is Dominic Paramo, your host for today. You can catch all of uh, last season's episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also on anchor.fm forward slash 440. Today, we have a very special guest in studio. He's a very talented guitarist, writer, producer, and friend, and also the OG host of this very show. Yes, I'm talking about Mr. Jarrell Powell, a.k.a. Jay Powell, a.k.a. Blues Apprentice. Um, his latest EP release, Transitions, is available on all streaming platforms, and he's most recently contributed to the Near Future Records Holiday EP Volume 1. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Without any further ado, this is Mr. Powell. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm I'm well. I'm well. It's a good Saturday. Um... And I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, interviewing me. Dang, whatnot, so. you came on strong with that host vibe already. <laughs> How the tables have turned. Hey, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I got it from you. I mean, I, I remember from you know originally you uh, having your you know experience in radio and and you know talk and whatnot. So absolutely. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here doing this today, and I've uh, been looking forward to uh, this episode. So cool. You know, as as I've been listening to you. Um, Starting off with kind of where you start off with a lot of people, some questions that we've we've got coming up are, you know, we'd like to talk a little bit more about this conversation of uh, what are your early interests in music like? We're going to just dive right on in. Dive right in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, buddy. Okay. Um, so to go way back, origin story style, um, my I grew up in a, in a household where my... Uh, Families in the choir, right from the church. Of course, yeah. Um, my my dad, he, he can carry a tune. He, you know, he he does like the the bass and whatnot. But um, my my mom, my mother has a lovely voice, um, and my brother has a lovely voice. And I always I always remembered hearing him practice his riffs and his scales with his voice in the next you know the next room. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> oh my god. But it's funny later on, you know, realizing that. You know, he, he's, a, he's a musician honing his craft, you know, sure. and, and he's an excellent singer as well as so a shout out to my bro. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in a household of music and um, what got me into music was really my brother technically because um, I didn't own any music at the time, right? I didn't own any yeah. music at the time. There wasn't really music played in the house that much, um, but he bought, you know, he was really passionate R&B, specifically 90s R&B. Yeah, of course. Right? So, um, you know, like Boys to Men, Music Soul Child, like, uh, I mean, even just like uh, the Purple Rain CD. Like, he had all sure. the music, right? He bought all the music, and I would just take the music from him and it, listen to like it. like a downfall. It just kind of exactly. came your way. It exactly. It came my way. And, um, you know, and I really started getting into music really from him, um, listening to these artists and everything. Like, oh, this is cool. But... I didn't really find like my like I like those I like the genre of music, but it wasn't necessarily my like this is what I like. Sure. You know what I mean? Like as far as like in totality, like you know, a lot of people they just like one genre of music, which is fine. Uh, but I didn't even get to that point yet of deciding like, no, I may mean, listen to this, right? Right. You so know. in in doing that, were you able to find favorites of yours? Can you list a couple of the favorites that kind of got you going in the direction you went? Absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, it's funny. Before I get to that, I do want to talk about my first experience of actually buying music of my own. Oh, yeah? I was, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy an album of my own. So I went to Walmart, right? And, I had, no, <laughs> and I had no idea what I was getting. Um, and do you, do you remember the band Trapped? With the they had that song Headstrong and that was like yeah. the, Headstrong, Headstrong. like yeah. you know I really I, I had I kind of had a, uh, an itch for rock and roll I really enjoyed rock and roll um, and uh, I, that was the first album I bought was, really was Trapped yeah at Walmart and then the second album was Rush of Blood to the Head uh, Coldplay and that's when I really those are two very different types of albums yeah to buy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, well, because the, the song Clocks and the Scientist was like played on like VH1 and everything, Everywhere, right? Yeah. So you know, and, and when when music videos were music videos, you know, then and I just, I love that song too, you know. So I started to really branch off into different artists. Cool. Um, but yeah, man. Um, the, How did the, your parents feel when you brought some of that stuff home? You said you didn't really have music playing. I don't know if they knew. I mean, they didn't really ask. Um, what music that I was listening to, they would just know, like, from maybe what I was playing. 
Uh, my brother and I, you know, we share a room a lot, you know, being a brother, even if you're in a bunk bed or, you know, the, you know, just like the small beds fitting in one room. But we listen to like 99.1, you know, and yeah. like listen to all these different um, tracks and stuff and like record it on a tape player, you know, uh, we'd have a stereo in the middle That's of cool. the room and, you know, and getting into that, like Linkin Park in the end, um, uh, just even like from like CDs, like Michael Jackson CDs or whatnot, uh, the, the whole like the whole bad album, Thriller, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really started getting into my element. Uh, I feel like I really started getting my element with music when the iPod came out. Strangely enough, Ooh, yeah, like critical time for a lot of people. Yeah, like I've, it's it's. I think a lot of I think people have forgotten. Maybe millennials have forgotten, but. Um, I feel like that really that socially that created like that that kept people in tune with music, you know, sure. vinyl records, four track, eight track, whatever. But the iPod really changed that. Just something, just the fact that you have a little thing, a little box that says, "This is represents me." This music, like this is the music I want. Something really powerful about it. So I got that, and I started getting into a lot of different music, like the Shins. Um, a lot of that was from the Garden State soundtrack. Uh, listening to that, I was like, "This is amazing music." But the Shins, uh, even getting into like underground hip hop, like Pete Rock, John Robinson, Talib Kweli, Most Def. Um, and then I remember getting into Rage Against the Machine, who's my favorite. You know, I yeah. talked about on their four forty. It's my favorite rock band. Uh, I forget his I forget his last name, but a gentleman named Nicholas. I just remember him blaring, blaring the music from his headphones. Like, just like, I just remember hearing this noise, right? And I was like, what are you listening to? And he's like, oh, listen to this machine. You know, he's, he's listening to Evil Empire, Bulls on Parade. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever heard Tom Morello. And I was like, man, let me check, let me check this out. And I, I put on the headphones. And once I heard those riffs, I was like enamored. I was like, this is, can you give me a copy of this? And he was like, just give me some blank CDs and I'll do it. So I like that day, I went to Walmart, got blank CDs. Next day, he got him to me. Like, I gave him to him on Tuesday. He gave him back to me on Thursday. And it was, like, all the big Rage Against Machine albums. Jeez, and the, this is before. The power of sharing. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And this is even before me learning guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just me really having a passion for the instrument, you know. So those are some of my early um, my, my early uh, th- uh, music folks that, that stick out to me before guitar. Do you think that? you were attracted to the guitar in the music or is it just the music in general? Or I don't know if maybe they were saying something to you. That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it was just the music, but I think the guitar came afterwards. Um, a good, uh, uh, unfortunately I, I I haven't spoken to him in quite some time, but, um, he still has a staple in my life musically, Alex Garcia. Um, of course you know him. Uh, but, I always remember seeing him, you know, he was the, he was the Weezer kid, you know, he had the guitars playing the chords and everything. And he just, uh, I, I always appreciated that cause he, he was passionate and something that he liked listening to and he could learn the actual songs. And I had a really appreciation for that. And I was like, that's really cool. You know? And I always, and I was like, I don't know if I can, if I'm going to learn, I'm left-handed, left-handed instruments suck, you know, from yeah. a guitar standpoint that I made as well as right-handed instruments. Um, so I think learning the actual instrument came from people that I knew, you right. know, um, you know, meeting you and you, you know, you playing, we started uh, playing guitar on the same time. I think did we? you've, uh, sprinted past me <laughs> <laughs> as a guitar player, but I mean, that's a, uh, that's a whole, that's a whole other conversation too of how to learn, you know, um, and uh, separate podcast this, this season, <laughs> um, you know, talking about that though, yeah. having friends influence you to pick up an instrument after you've already had the appreciation for music. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alex Garcia. Yeah, I definitely remember. Do you remember his blue that blue guitar after he smashed it? And I he do. Put it together again. I do. I, I, it's funny. He actually, he kind of did an Indian giver thing because he gave it to me. He's like, "I want you to have this." And then a couple of weeks later, he's like, "Hey, can I get that back?" And I'm like, "Sure, it's your guitar." <laughs> but yeah, I do remember that. And, and it, that was a that was his yearbook. He was playing his yearbook because everybody signed it at school. Yeah. Song. So that's one of the reasons why you ended up picking guitar. Him and uh, Brian Guthrie as well. Brian Guthrie, Michael Gowan, um, they were in that band, uh, the One Night Stand band. <laughs> what do they know about One Night Stands? <laughs> they were, they were juniors and seniors. I know they're they're kids, uh, but <laughs> excellent, you know, guitar players, you know, and and, and uh, Mike, Michael Gowan being the classic rock guy, and 
uh, you know, uh, Brian being the blues guy, the Jimi Hendrix guy. Um, and I remember watching, I remember watching, uh, the, the one them playing, you know, and I was like, man, like really good, you know? And one, I was kind of like jealous how good he was. And then I was just like, you know, like, I wonder if I could, I wonder if I could do that, you know? Um, so those folks really inspired me to, to learn. And then, uh, 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 buddy in high school that I, I used to uh, hang with, um, Yard, uh, Yard uh, Gudina, he's an excellent guitar player too, you know, and I learned a lot from him as well because he was more, he did a lot of jazz stuff where, you know, you have Alex doing the Weezer stuff, Brian Blues, Michael Gallon, Classic Rock. He did a lot of jazz stuff, you know, and Neil all the things stuff. you play. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it all is all part of me, you know. So yeah, those those folks definitely did that. So what was it like then getting your first instrument, or how did that come along? It was hard. It was very hard. I remember going to Guitar Center and saying, "I'm going to buy." I I bought first guitar I bought was. I believe it was an acoustic. It was an Epiphone, but it was, you know, it's funny. The the more I've you know me, I'm a guitar nut, you know, so the more I learned about these instruments, when I bought that instrument, you know, it's the, the, the top of it was plastic, you know, uh, but it, it it was it was a guitar, you're right, it was a guitar, and learning on acoustic was difficult for me, because um, one, like I said, I'm left-handed, but I decided to learn right-handed, you know, um, and I just didn't want to go through the 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 I just didn't want to go through the, the whole ordeal of learning right, right, left-handed. Mm-hmm. And um, so playing those chords, especially barred chords, really painful. <laughs> really painful, really hurt. Um, and then even strumming was very difficult for me, you know. And um, I remember reading something on uh, Ultimate Guitar where the guy was just like uh, on a forum. He was like, just imagine your right hand as a rag and you're wringing it out. And for some reason that stuck with me and that helped me. Really? That helped me strum. Yeah. That you hear me. that, everybody out there? <laughs> it's just a rag and you're this ringing it out. It's a rag. Out. You're ringing it out. But that helped. Um, what was difficult for me was the process of learning guitar, right? So, sure. like, I was on gu- Ultimate Guitar. And I remember, like, listening to Raising This Machine. I'm like, I want to learn that. I want to learn the song, right? But you, little do we know when we're learning that, we're really just learning one small part of a very big song. Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, I learned... I remember learning "Killing in the Name of." I remember learning that that main riff, and then I was like, okay. Now what? But I'm playing it by myself. It doesn't feel the same, you know, because of course you have all these other entities, you know. But uh, so that was one thing that I found interesting, where I was just like, okay, I learned this thing, but how does it fit within this guitar situation? I think the first one of the first songs was "Hey There, Delilah." Mm, I, classic. I remember learning that, and that's where I got into like finger picking and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was hard, you know, because, you know, for, for me, I didn't have a lot of money to have like a formal trainer, you know, so a lot, I bought a lot of books, a lot of guitar method books. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. You used a lot. Did you, do you feel like that was a big part of you learning? It helped, it, it helped and it, it, it frustrated me at the same time. Um, there's, it's, it's, it's interesting to me ha- uh, reading a book of someone's way of, hey, this is how you learn. Right. Mm. So first I started with like a general like all in one. And I was like, this is boring. (laughs) And then I was like, "Okay, I'm hearing scales. So let me try scales. Right. So I got these scale guitars, these scale guitar books and getting into that. And um, it, it did. It did help to a degree. I mean, the pentatonic scales, like the whole the holy grail scales that most people play. And then it's like, okay, how do I play outside of that? Mm. You know, so I kind of made. I kind of made a, a mental phase for myself where I was like, okay, I'm going to learn these scales. Um, and then I learned scales. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to try to learn solo stuff, you know? And, and what I realized that, um, that uh, I, I realized I had a, uh, a knack for was playing, improv over something that was already created. So, for mm. example, working with uh, Andrew Hakim, who was on the, the Vitoria's episode, uh, and Corey Webster, I mean, we, we, you know, and you, like, we jammed for a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you say, you know, when you were learning uh, just small fragments of songs and yeah. how it kind of felt alone or yeah. alienated, different from uh, listening to the whole song. Yeah. Bringing people into play. How was that? I mean, that's really, that's, re- that, jamming. that got me to the point, that got me to the point of the guitar player that I am today. Um, 
I, I don't know if I would have kept playing the guitar if it wasn't for Corey or if it wasn't for you or if it wasn't for Andrew. Um, and, and, and like, uh, even just like playing, even like I got into Silver Sun pickups because of Corey Webster. And I remember just like playing a guitar riff over what they already had. You know what over I mean? The song. Yeah. And like Andrew Akeem was like, that's really cool. Like what? where did that come from? You know, I just had this, this, this interesting creativity thing of like, I could add this here and add this here, you know? Um, and I think a lot of it was a lot. I think a lot of it was just listening to a lot of music, listening to a lot of film scores. I'm like, oh, I can add this here and here. So with you guys, that, that is what got me to keep playing, you know, all those summer jam sessions Dude, in the garage and so awesome so yeah. amazing yeah th- those are those are timeless and, for, and somehow some way Corey kept all that stuff and i and once again i still can't find it on the dropbox <laughs> he says that it's on the dropbox i can't find it anyway but this would be a good spot to put that song in let's we'll see if we can get one of those jams <laughs> yeah yeah one of those hot sweaty summer jams <laughs> I got a whole gang of nonsense, like pet, buying a bunch of pedals and multi effects. Yeah. So, so talking about that. Yeah. I know this was a big time too for you in in that uh, that space of jamming. You went through a lot of gear. You went through a lot of pedals. Talk about a little bit uh, about your obsession with gear. Sure. No, that's a perfect question. Um, so I think I really started to get into because first, you know, when you're you know you start playing and you just want the basic thing you want the basic pedals that can that can make you sound like x guy or Jimi hendrix or whatever eddie van halen so you get like an overdriven pedal right every guitar gets an overdriven pedal an overdrive pedal or whatnot when i started listening to um the mars volta yeah that's when i really had an interest in pedals and effects because the guitar player of of um mars volta omar rodriguez lopez he has like over 200 pedals um, I didn't want 200 pedals, but the songs that, that he played those uh, effects in, specifically Delouse and the Comatorium, incredible album. Um, but a lot of sounds I've never heard in any other album ever, and I wanted to, I wanted to try to dive into that. So I think that's what started that disease of buying a bunch of pedals. That the leak in your bank account. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I I wasted so much freaking money, but um, but it was fun. You know, it was fun. And then hearing those effects on the the jams that we played, you know, um, like I because I, first I was discovering, like what what makes sense and what and what uh situation, right? Sure. So when you're a bedroom guitarist, it's like. You don't need. You can buy a multi effects pedal and like figure out. I like this and this. I'm not going to discover what the whole thing does, right? And then when you're playing live, I realized like, okay, if I'm getting this, I need to know how to use it, right? Yeah. So like that was a learning experience for me, like jamming with you guys. Like, okay, I don't like. That's when I went back to just individual pedals. Sure. This is simple. I press on it. It works. I press it again. It stops. You know, and the more I played, and I remember Corey Lester, he's he's talking to me about it. He was like, every time we jammed, you there was w- one less pedal that <laughs> that he brought, so we couldn't play that part in that jam that we brought. You know, it's like you, the less pedals that, you, that showed up, we can't play that song anymore. Yeah, you. I do remember you. You kept changing a lot, um, yeah. but you were searching for a tone. I mean, that was something that that still comes up. Looking yeah. for the certain sounds or the right sound. Um, yeah. How did you think? How do you think 
that shaped going forward? I think it was a I think it was a maturity of me being a musician. Um the more I got into um because I listened to Hendrix early on, but when I got into like Stevie Ray Vaughan and I started to dive into jazz, um, when I was going to Crafton Hills College, right? So the very beginning of my my isms started from I would say Jack White was one of the most influential musicians to get me playing guitar. Once I started to get more into tone, it was jazz really. So like uh, guitarists like Grant Green, Wes Montgomery, even like saxophone players like Coltrane and whatnot. You know, a lot of guitar players then, probably all of them then, they learned a lot of lines from saxophone players, horn players. So that got me into this really clean, clear tone and these really complicated chords, you know, and me understanding, like taking a step back and saying, okay, I need to focus on the guitar again. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I was so enamored with the effects, but then when I he- started hearing these guys, cause I took a jazz appreciation class mm-hmm. and, and uh, the guy, the person teaching it was actually a, a guitar player. And he played guitar. He, I remember when I walk the first day of class, we all walk in, and he's just playing jazz stuff. I don't know what he's playing, but it's like the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my whole life. He has like this this Spanish guitar, but he's playing incredible chords, like this crazy melody, all him. And we watched like the Ken Burns jazz yeah. documentary, and that that changed my life. Like it really did. He changed my life. Uh, Barry McNaughton, um, shout out to him, it, it, amazing musician he has an amazing story i want to try to get him on the show hopefully but um but in watching the ken birds and watching all these musicians how they played that really changed like how that changed tone for me you know and i feel like tone is tone is one of those things where it's like it's like your intention Mm. right it's like your intention when you play something you can you can you can nail all the right notes but if it sounds bad no one's going to care if you played it right it's true they will remember Ooh, that it didn't. It doesn't feel right. Exactly. And uh, that's really what you're talking about. Crafting. It's an emotion. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that we, you know, you and I always come back to talking about his toner, mm-hmm. or the way that that you're talking about a clean, uh, cleaner sounding. But you still yeah. get some crunch in there. Yeah, I still got the crunch. That's true. That's true. You know, I got the crunch, and a lot of that too is from. Um, I started to learn a lot of the engine, not the engineering component of a guitar, but just like tone when it comes to the bare bones of like. Um, like the pickups, the pickups and like the type of wood, the type of strings, the type, even to the type of pick that you use changes your tone. And like, you know, I don't think you'll think about those things when you start, but those things absolutely contribute and even to crunch, you know, um, especially depending on the, the pedal or the amp, how you have it set. Sometimes you can get a clean tone, but if you really, you really drive into it, you know, then you can get that crunch out. So those are things that I, those things got my attention too, you know, adding the complexity on it. Yeah, talking a little bit more about um, the type of gear that you actually use, thinking mm-hmm. about guitars. You've had a lot of guitars. Yes. You have a lot of Unfortunately. guitars. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about some of the um, some of the your favorites that you have or, or maybe yeah. uh, even just certain gear uh, types of uh, pickups that you use? What are some of your favorite... Um, the equipment pieces that you've used yeah no that's a good good question i've never asked that in the show i should, I should probably start <laughs> yeah it's a guitar podcast season two <laughs> season two baby <laughs> um yeah that's a great question so i would say there's two guitars there's two guitars that i i, I, n- I never should have sold one of them was a epiphone les paul ultra Ooh, it's made in korea um, but fantastic instrument. Um, Korean instruments are actually made in Korea. They're actually very well made. Um, it was an excellent instrument. Um, it was heavy. That was the only downside. And Liz Pauls are too. He- they're heavy. Once yeah. you get old, you know it starts hurting your back. But it played beautifully. The action was beautiful. And I remember, I was kind of like I wasn't in a band. We were trying to figure something out. I was. I, I met these guys in in Ukaipa. Mm-hmm. And um, a guy named Dylan, another girl named Janine. I went to college, uh, Crafting Hills College, with her, and we tried to figure out a band thing. It didn't work, but we played. We jammed, and I, I ended up trading that guitar with him. Okay. And he had a strap, and we did like a blues thing, and I, and I was playing like blues stuff, and he was like, "Oh, you're really good." He was like, "He's like, you want to trade?" So I so he traded me like Pokemon cards. Yeah. You want to trade? 
<laughs> Basically, yeah, he, he gave Regretted me his, it. He gave me his uh, his Mexican Stratocaster. Cool. Um, and that guitar was nice too, man. It felt right. It felt really good. Yeah. And the what and what what made me upset uh, about on myself was one I missed the Les Paul, but it. it it made me more upset at myself with that I traded that guitar because that guitar was great. It was fine. I think it was all stock. I don't think it had cool. any. I don't think it had anything else in it, but it sounded great. You know, uh, you know, excellent uh, instrument. And but I was just so finicky, and I was still trying to figure out what I wanted as a guitarist. You know, I didn't know what guitar I wanted. You know what I mean? Like, and I wish I was. I wish I was complacent. Um, You're still trying to find yourself. Yeah, essentially, essentially, as a musician, I was trying to find myself. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, uh, it's like the guitar dating for me. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what, I didn't know what type of guitar I wanted to be. Like, this is what I'm gonna play, and this is what I'm gonna learn with. You know. And so, what was the second one? Um. Well, the set. I would say the first one was the Les Paul. The second one was the Mexican Strat. Two and uh, one, they were both in the same yeah, room at the same time. This is weird. Yeah, I know. And I've sold mad guitars past that. But those guitars really stuck with me because one of them I played on a jam called the the, the name of the song is odd, but it's called Burning Sensation. That was the name of the song. Is with uh, it was with Brian, Andrew, Akeem, Corey Webster. Uh, we did a jam, and that was the song. And we were called Unspoken Telepathy or Untell. Untell. Uh, and we just jammed really well, you know. And we made that song. And I used Les Paul for that that song, and I, I had a Line Six FM4 a filtering modeling yeah. pedal. It felt really great, you know. It felt good. Track. I just I don't know what I recorded that with, but I just remember playing that one too. It's really good. So, what are you currently using then? Good question. Uh, one of them that I've realized is my my go to. Um, it's a Michael Kelly guitar. Cool. Um, it's I think it's technically a 1963, even though it's not the it's it's just the model number. It's not literally a 1963. Uh, year made guitar but michael kelly they're actually really good guitars um yeah and i actually customized the heck out of it um that was one of the things too i really got into pickups i really got into uh tuning tuning and stuff and two different tuners what are good tuners what are bad tuners so i i have i, I customized the heck out of it um i have some really nice pickups on it i have a seymour duncan hot reel and the 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 lead pickup well not the lead pickup, the neck pickup uh, DeMarcel Cool Rails guitar uh, uh, pickup, which is the same pickups from, there's a band called Karangbin, the yeah, guitarist. He uses, yeah, he uses DeMarcel Cool Rails. Cool. And they're, they're amazing pickups. And then the, the, the there's a humbucker, so it's an SSH uh, guitar. So it has a, uh, a Duncan design. Um, so I swapped out all the pickups because the pickups just sounded bad. But the actual guitar, like Quilt Maple, really comfortable neck, small neck, but really comfortable still. Um, yeah. That, that that that's a guitar I can be comfortable gigging with. Yeah, you know. Do yeah. you feel like you're married, or are you still looking for you still looking for the right? I uh, think I'm married now. I think I'm married now. I think I'm. Compl- he really is married, but yes, <laughs> you really are. Yes, married, yes, yes. To the guitar, yes. man. Shout out to my wife. I love you. Um, but yeah, so as far as guitar wise, yeah, I feel like I feel like now I'm at the point where I'm like, this is a guitar that I could one gig with to just be fine having as this is the guitar, and it's a nice feeling. Good. It's a nice feeling. So yeah, that's that's the main baby there that I enjoy. Cool. Well, you know, you know, you brought up uh, Untel as yes. part of the projects. So in using these guitars, uh, what are some of the projects that you had been part of? Um, I guess coming up and yeah. up to now, really. Absolutely. So I have to harken back to um, the. I feel like the first song. It might have came before Burning Sensation, but there's a song called Cold Sun. Ah, yes. Cold Sun. The old Cold Sun. Uh, Cold Sun worked on with Andrew and Corey, and then also Megan um, uh, Megan Baklovich uh, sang on it. Um, that was really fun to make. Um, I'll probably put it in here. Uh, but it was really fun to make, just from the totality of making a song. Sure. That was the first time 
making a song to its fullest. And I remember me, Andrew, and Corey, we were we were up late at night. <laughs> like a 10, 11, almost midnight. Late. Writing so the, late. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, yeah. I'm so old, but um, but we were we were up writing lyrics, like cool. writing lyrics and like figuring out, and we even had a concept where like, okay, this is about this is about someone. It's based. The song is basically about someone turning into a werewolf. So the cold sun is the moon. Um, but yeah, it was so fun, man. And I remember I started with uh, I started playing on acoustic, you know, and Andrew he had his he had his uh, electric guitar, you know, and then I I did the solo for it. And I remember Corey, he said, like, he's like, that's my favorite solo you've played. And I'm like, really? And I was like, I played mad solos. But I remember but I listened to it now. And I'm like, OK, I get it. You know, and I think that and I think that kind of helped me with my soloing today as far as how to solo, you know, not just to play notes, but you're playing them and uh, you're, you're playing them, telling a story, telling a story, middle, beginning, end, you know, and um, that was a fun experience. Burning Sensation did that one. And then I would say the first big, the first more legitimate one was really working with you, I think, you know, because you had your projects. And I remember going over, I don't know what your, I don't know what band name that was. When we did the I'm Not Trying and I did the harmonica. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was fun. It was, was, that's what would lead, I guess, to the next big project that we did was the Alter Egos, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we did, yeah, the Alter Egos is a big thing. And that was fun, too, um, playing in uh, uh, Paige's uh, parents' uh, music uh, practice room. That was a great space. Great, absolutely. Amazing creative space. Um, And then working with you guys on that, you know, and that was really fun. Um, That was the first time I've sang, I think. Sang that song, we wrote it in the bedroom. And you really pushed me to to like to to do it, and I, I appreciate that. You know, it got me, it got me out of my comfort zone, and it got me in a space. You know, as far as like, oh, I, I can, I can be more than just like the bedroom guitarist. You know what I mean? too a lot of that was uh, practical application we practiced yeah we met and we practiced and we played the songs and we practiced and we did what i think we ended up with two shows mm-hmm. two very different types of shows yeah <laughs> but we did those uh and then at the end of it we ended up working on an ep together mm-hmm. for it exactly that no human exactly. ep human ep that's right um yeah you uh that was the first time practicing songs too because, um, yeah, that was the first time practicing songs for me as a musician. And then working in a band, you know, rehearsing and everything. That was all new. All new for me, um, but incredibly valuable. You know, and that Human EP was really fun. Um, yeah. We did that in, in that little room, too. I believe most of it was done there. Yeah, I think so. I think I, so. It's funny, now. You, ta- you were talking about Corey was saying how he thinks that um, – that solo is, is one of your best. Yeah. I remember really working with you on continuity mm-hmm. of solos. How mm-hmm. do you think that that helped shape kind of going forward, doing the same, <laughs> playing the same thing? Right. No, uh, that's a good question. You know what I realized, and I think that helped that helped me make better solos is guitar phrasing. Um, that is something that I'm still working on, but I've improved incredibly uh, from then. What was that? You know, and at first I was like, okay, what is guitar phrasing? What does that even mean? You know, it's just like it's just cadences from one note to the next. You know, um, uh, or one riff to the next, etc. And in the Cold Sun solo, I was 
basically soloing through the chords, right? Um, and I didn't realize that until later on, you know, and I think that helped with uh, like alter egos, you know, and uh, playing like the human EP solo, which I really enjoyed. You should play the solo from human. I should. <laughs> Um, so after, after that though, after working, you know, that didn't last too long. We were all kind of in different spaces at the time. We were in different cities too. You got to work with some more friends. Yes. Um, yeah. So I had, I had some little mini projects. Um, Michael Gowan, he was, I don't think he played for a while at that point. Um, I think he, he either was going to Musicians Institute or he just got done, but he wanted to do like an acoustic set. And mainly it was his songs. I think we did maybe one or two covers and most of it was his songs. And at that point I wasn't playing a whole lot cause everyone was, you know, on their path. Um, I was still in Redlands, um, Redlands, Sashi Kaifa and most, most everybody was in Long Beach. And I did, I did some acoustic stuff with them. I think we played two gigs. One of them was at the, the you know, that alley there, um, the original Uggie's Coffee. Yes, yes. And then the other one was, uh, I want to say it was Moose Lodge or something. Um, yeah, so we, we, we did that, and that was fun. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the other one, the other one that I worked on. Not, well, so after after getting these chances to work with people, play live, it seems yeah. like you started to kind of take yourself a little bit more seriously on, on your side of recording and doing some so i know you have uh one of the projects yeah. that you made was that life on canvas yeah you, re- you re-released that pretty recently too yes i did i did yeah uh, i did that in 2012 um yeah man and it's funny that time i was i wasn't very happy with myself i was in a depressed i was i was depressed because i was a creative person but i didn't have creative people creative people around me mm-hmm. um and there it's not a perfect album but it's still really important to me especially because Corey webster he was in arizona at the time so he essentially he essentially worked on the drums um in arizona you know i would make the riff and stuff and then i would send it to him in the dropbox I'm like hey this is what i got play drums over it you know and i didn't really give him any big like mad direction so he he the, all that creativity was all him you know um that was a fun album to make. It's funny because my my brother really enjoys that album still to this day, and um, I thought it was important to release it on Spotify just because it is an important footprint of me as an artist. Um, but yeah, man, um, that was a really fun album. I really enjoyed uh, No Roads making that one. That was the first time too, like like making an album and, and exporting it, you know, and like just like doing all this stuff, you know. So that that was that was an, a new experience in its entirety, but. Oh uh, yeah, No Roads, Geronimo. I really enjoyed that I one. I like that song too. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Good I would like to. Yeah, if I ever do a live show, um, I, I would like to play at least two songs from that album. So then you decided to just re-release that after it had been in seven years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah seven out on Spotify. Seven eight years now on Spotify, Apple Music, everything. Um, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so th- so that was a good one. 
Um, I released a couple of other ones in between it. Um, I think if they're just me, they're just like, uh, just like personal, like, uh, like journals of albums, you know, mm-hmm. um, the first album I technically made was called where, uh, where are we? Um, where were you? Yeah, I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Working at GameStop. That's where I was. <laughs> Nine to five, baby. <laughs> Nine to five, baby. Um, I remember Andrew, uh, I was like, hey, I reached the album, what do you think? And he's like, it's good, but the, the drums are off. You know, and I remember being taken back by it. The drums for Where Are We were was me on a keyboard, but it was off. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. So, so one, that was me um, exercising, like, you need to be able to take constructive criticism and, and to be able to realize when something sucks, like, you know, just like, make it better or adjust something you know what i mean so that that was new to me too so all this is new me as a guitarist musician um so for life on the canvas i was like there needs to be real drums on this because i don't know what i'm doing with this machine you know so that's why you know i was like i need Corey. i need him for this so at first i thought you were saying Corey's drums were off oh Oh, no 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 no, no. those drums for life on the canvas i wouldn't change anything you know what i mean that that's an important footprint i really enjoyed everything he did I know he said he really likes Two Dead Lights. <laughs> yeah, there. he's told me that before, too. Mm. So, you know, you work on these on these albums and you kind of are honing still. You're trying to figure out what's next. You're working on things. Yeah. Uh, I know that for a little while you didn't play guitar. Yeah. Um, what was that about or like? Yeah, there was. Sheesh, man. Yeah, there's about uh, there's a while where I didn't um, really pick it up that much. Um I think I was just going through a lot. Uh, there was a lot of medical things that was going on with me. Um, you know, that, that was really scary. Um, you know, and uh, I I didn't pick up the guitar for a long time because of that. Um, had a lot of weird things happen to me in my life. And, and I'm not understanding where it came from. Or, or And a lot of it, too, was like, well, the, this family member doesn't have it. No one else has it except you. Congratulations. <laughs> You know, it's like you have this you have this disease thing and I don't know why. But um the I think um even though I didn't play for a long time, a lot of what I did was practice, to be honest with you. So when I did get better when I did feel better or whatnot within those frames of when I would relapse or go into remission, I was trying to figure out what how to play what, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would try to I would try to learn different patterns on the guitar and then like and then like chord tones and all that stuff you know so when i didn't when i didn't play like release any albums i was more practicing and things like that so yeah i kind of had a period for yourself really yeah yeah and then i ended up moving to long beach that was a life-changing thing um because they uh andrew and Corey, they got a, a house up there they needed a roommate i remember that yeah that yeah. was yeah and, and i remember telling my brother like they need a roommate. I'll say, but we were in Long Beach. And he was like, do it, you know? And then, um, you know, my, my, my mother wasn't too happy about it just because she's more worried about my health. Um, sure. You know, but I laid out a plan. I said, you know, I can drive back to go to this thing. And, you know, and I was like, I'm going to do a transfer of my job over there in Long Beach, you know, and I made it work, you know, and I, I didn't go back. You know, some people they have. Um, I mean, I visited, obviously, but I didn't move back, you know. Uh, I made it work. And. And I got my creative juices again. You yeah, know, I got I got the creative juices again. We talk about being around creative people. We talked about a little bit, you know, when you're playing by yourself and you're trying to do stuff, you kind of can get in a rut because you're in your own head. But I think surrounding yourself, it seems like surrounding yourself again, kind of re-inspired. It's so some important. Of that. Yeah, I it's it's so important, man. And I, I I don't. To me, it doesn't matter how good of a musician you are. It it matters who you, can you share it with and who can you collaborate with. Absolutely. You know? I think that's what I learned. Um, that's what I learned. You know, it's not. Yeah, because first I was first I was I was really frustrated with myself. I'm like I wanted to be better than what I was at that time. You know, like I wanted to be better, but it it was more. What got me better was working with other people. Absolutely. You know, so I, I just think that's an interesting um, point there that, that I realized. 
So I guess flash forward a couple years, you really had been doing some stuff, practicing, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Skeletal Fuzz comes along, 2018. Man, that was, what was that, eight years since I played live? Uh, yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great experience, man. Um, you know, uh, I thank you again for, for bringing me on to that. That was fun. Um, yeah, I remember you reaching out to me saying, hey, we're, you know, we have this told me about Skelefuzz. So for those of you that don't know, Skelefuzz is a uh, Halloween uh, Halloween band that uh, myself and a few friends put together every Halloween to do a number of covers. Uh, Every year we try to have a theme and we try to find songs that fit. We practice for about a month and a half and then we do some shows for Halloween and we dress up like skeletons and paint our faces and put tape on us and we <laughs> jump around a lot of hullabaloo yeah man i remember it's funny i remember watching an earlier an earlier uh, year of skeletons sure. like, oh, that seems cool so when you when you brought it up to me i was like oh wow like i was like honored it was funny at that time i didn't really have that much gear like i i didn't have like my amp or anything like that like i really pa- i really pawned off a lot of stuff so i was like i need to get some stuff so i can play live you know so like i was on like a mad budget we gave you a tasted a sweet honey and you had to go get some more yeah so like all the pedals i got were like within the time frame of actually doing the show but um so but i got everything together and playing with you guys is really awesome you know first time i played with ryan martinez um great experience uh and then lou you know and uh, i learned a lot too so as a musician as far as like you know when you're practicing something you practice it not at there there you, you, you rehearse but rehearsing and practicing are two different things you know and um learning that from a professional sense you know katie yellman and, and everything um yeah it's really really fun time Really fun time. That Carlos Santana solo, man. I had to get it right. <laughs> I think I have the audio. Maybe I'll, if I have it, I'll, I'll, we could play some of that. It was yeah, good. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I was proud of it. I mean, I, I used um, there's this app called Amazing Slow Downer, and the cool thing about it is that you can slow it down without changing the pitch of the song. Which usually when you change, usually when you slow down something, it changes the pitch. But for this app, it doesn't. And I actually use that to learn the solo. What's that? What's that app called? Um, Amazing Slow Downer. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, so you use that to kind of to get that solo? Yeah, yeah. It was damn good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because I was like, I need to get every. I need to get. I need to get the important notes. You know, uh, if I don't get every single note, I need to get the important ones. So I use that constantly up late at night. You know, but you got a lot of you got a lot of praise for it though. A lot of people really noticed it and they really liked it. Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, I heard, I heard quite a bit of good feedback, so I'm happy about that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so I guess that reignited some some gear buying, some some juices in you. Yes. Because I know then uh, that next, so it was October we did that, and mm-hmm. then at the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. what was it, December to, I want to say, well, the end of 2018, December till about f- June almost. Yeah. We started slowly getting ready for your EP that we recorded here at Near Future Studios. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's funny, those, a lot of those songs that I, I worked on um, for Transitions, they were fragments of guitar ideas that I've had for years. Um, like Walk On By mm-hmm. um, was was a riff that I've thought about for years but never implemented it. And, um, you know, you, you helped me with uh, just letting me know, like, hey, like, I'll help you with this, but, you know, have a, have a plan in mind, you know, work with these guys, you know, Turner and Alex Perez, um, you know, great guys. Uh, they did a great job, too. Um, and that really motivated me again, you know, really flushing out a song. Cause this is the first time creating a full, I feel like creating a song that we're recording in a professional sense, like my, like writing it myself, teaching it to people and then like playing it. So that was again, all new experiences, you know, um, that was a, that was a really good experience, man. Did you get any lessons, anything you really took with you from the process? I, I got, it's a good question. I got, um, working with people to make something and then knowing being honest with yourself so for me i remember um i remember there was a part in walk on by where i i I felt like something needed to be adjusted you know i felt like something needed to be adjusted and um you know i was like let's just let me just let me do it in a way where i can get it done you know send it to you and then you know turner was engineering it 
Um, so th- that portion in that portion in general was new. That as far as this, you know, when you're an artist, be honest with yourself. Like, do you like what you're hearing? Like, if we need to change it, it needs to be changed within a certain time frame. You know, so just that whole notion of being honest with your creativity and working on it. You know, taking credit, taking constructive criticism. And then even like there's a lot of things that, um, you know, Turner and Alex, like they added some flair, you know, in those songs and be like, yes, use that. You know, it's like I don't I don't need to I don't need to be the one that's like, yes, I made every single thing, every single note. Like, no, like that's not that's not what it means to be a musician. So it was really a collaborative effort. You know, absolutely. You, you came in with the songs, but uh, sitting there with them, teaching them and letting letting their powers work with it and kind of give their own interpretation of what you're asking of them. And we played it all live mostly. Like I think the majority of the tracks as they are, were played live. There were the additions that we did on top, Mm. a few of the trackings um, that we added to it later. Yeah. But I would say like at least 85 of it is pretty much live the way you played it. And I loved it. I loved that wave that we recorded. Um, Cause I've record, I've worked on, you know, I've worked on albums um, where it's separate, but I just feel like there's a certain energy. There's an energy that I wanted with the album in general, but an energy of work of recording live with the other musicians at the same time. There's an importance. I think that there's a good vibe, you know, uh, working on that. And then I, I really learned tone on that too. You know, the pedals that I had and, and knew what I wanted at that time. So, yeah. And just to talk about, the song um for julie mm. that was a song where that was a song that i created from scratch um it wasn't one that i thought about using for um because i was really critical of myself like i wanted to i wanted to make i wanted to make a great song for a great person right and i remember like coltrane has you know the song naima um you know or like blues for alice as far as like charlie parker just like these songs where you're dedicating to someone that you care about and they're amazing songs. And I, just, I always thought like, man, I want to do that one day. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, I was blessed with the opportunity to do it. So I really wanted to put a lot of time into it. And I remember practicing the chords of guitar center in Fountain Valley. This guy walked by, he's like, is that, is that your song? Or like, they're like, what do you really? Playing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, great. that sounds really good. He's like, I really like those chords, you know? And I was like, Oh, thank you. And that kind of like reassured like the vision where I was going. So yeah, I was really uh, very happy. I'm happy with the, how the whole album turned out, but you know that was a very important song that I I wanted to make sure that turned out you know excellent, and it did. You know, in talking about that song, it has a specific energy and a kind of movement. How do you think that relates, kind of, to the <laughs> how you, why you did it? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of different reasons. Some of them are more, um, I was gonna say, more explicit than others, but. <laughs> But I don't I, want to know what the fast part means. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it was so for Julie, we, we met we we the whole the process of us meeting, getting together and being like being, uh, uh, you know, being together was very quick. For those of you that might not know, Julie is Gerald's wife is my wife. Yes. Uh, she we very quickly. So and there's a there's a there's an aura of. When 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 she walks in a room, she everyone lights up, right? Lights up, um, you know. She just puts a smile on people's faces, like even like my family and things like that. And I wanted the chords to resemble that, you know. Yeah. Um. So it was like, okay, E major seven is where we're gonna go. <laughs> you know, E major seven, G major six, like those chords really resonated. You know, and I think the the fast part, the, another another thing of what the fast part represented too was just how 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 far we've gone as a couple. I feel like if I were to direct a film and I had that part, it would be like snippets of just like experiences that we've shared together. 
And that's kind of what that nice. that fast part represented too. Yeah. Yeah. At least you didn't write it in E minor. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. That yeah, I'd be like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so uh since transitions, you've uh you've also released a few singles and mm. uh you were just recently a part of our collective uh near future records uh holiday ep volume yes. one in which you have one song featured on but you did write two for it yeah, yeah. um can yeah. you talk a little bit now about where you're going where, where you're headed towards with some of the projects that you're working on sure absolutely and and firstly i, I part of me wants to to congratulate and apologize at the same time uh as far as just uh the the, the holiday ep is great so everyone working on it you know shout out to you guys shout out to uh lou escalante yep. brian uh guthrie yep. turner blatchley yep. who else uh everybody uh, montrad montrad yeah. alex perez and uh, cave low <laughs> greg brown too yes greg yeah. brown yeah great job man um yeah, uh, and then also apologizing as far as just the, the lateness of it coming out. You know, it came out on January second. <laughs> we missed the holiday by a week and a half. Still, still feels like holiday. It does. Um, but though the new stuff I'm working on, it is, um, it's the most. I want to say it's one of the. It, it's a very vulnerable space I've stepped myself into. Um, a lot of it is uh, to do with like uh, with African American culture. Uh, it's to do it's to do with social justice. It's to do with personal experiences that I've had in my life when it comes to just uh, either family things going on or just medical things going on with me, and not understanding why. Yeah. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to encompass. Um, a sound that was very reminiscent to the musicians that I really uh, had a passion for. So like uh, there's an artist called Kev Brown. He, he mainly is a producer and makes beats, but he has an album that, um, and he has a sound that's just very soulful, you know? So, and, and I wanted to encompass that. Um, and then just, uh, it just, it's a bit of a darker tone, but it's still beautiful. Um, and it's actually one that I want to collaborate with a lot of artists too. You know, I want my brother to sing on it. There's a, a very talented rapper. His name's Jordan Peace. Uh, he actually was in my jazz <laughs> class back in the day. Amazing piano player. But he's an amazing lyricist, too. Um, and uh, I'm working with him. I'm hoping we can get the get him on it. Uh, Chow Roma, who I, I worked with uh, or that I, I interviewed uh, last year. Um, you know, you, um, you know, on it as well. So just... Yeah, first time really, and I'm trying to get a really mature sound, you know, really mature so sound. So slowly working on it, putting the pieces together, it seems like. Yeah, so cool. I mean, this is a this is going to be 19 songs. Damn. 19 songs ranging from a minute. Double LP. <laughs> a minute 50 to, to three, three thirty four minute songs. Cool. Um you know, uh, some of it is even uh, samples of songs or riffs that I've recorded 10 years ago that I am sampling and then I'm adding new stuff over it. You know, it's the first time that I'm actually um, I'm trying I'm trying to add some some rapping and singing on it too. Um, your own. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So just I'm trying to step outside of I'm trying to push the capacity of what what can I do, you know, Um Cause I always just remember when, you know, you had me sing on human, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so I want to push myself again to a place where, you know, can I pull this off? Um, it's sounding really good right now. Any time frame for it? Do you have a perspective release? I want it to come out before the end of February this year. That's All my right. goal. Yeah. That's my goal. Um, so yeah, yeah. 19 songs. Um, uh, I have some really powerful album art for it already. Awesome. Really powerful album art. I've shown my, my wife uh, that art, and she she really likes it. So, um, yeah, I might play a small snippet of, a so of, of one of the songs. Yeah. Um, Speak Into Existence. That's probably the song that I'll probably play a snippet of. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm really excited for it. I hope people, I hope people like it. Um, and I hope it not necessarily creates a conversation but just has a different perspective you know cuz just speaking from speaking from uh me as a as a 
me as a, a black person, not having a whole lot of black friends, just to be quite honest, right? And yeah. and having for me, I don't care what color you are. If you know, I care about the character and whoever is a friend is a friend. Whoever's cool is cool. That's just how I've been. Yeah. A lot of it's kind of like a Redlands thing, but then it's just like me as me as a person, and obviously like how I was raised and whatnot. But there is a complexity to it that not a lot of people may not understand because they may not have had that experience. Yeah. And um, I think it's just a, it's an interesting perspective to talk about, you know? Um, And uh, yeah, so that's kind of some of the things that I want to push in the album. That's great, man. I'm looking forward to, to working with it and and getting to hear what you come up with. Um, And, you know, kind of, kind of going forward, where is this podcast going in season two? Ooh, the pod, the pod. This um, podcast. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's gone further than I thought it would go. <laughs> um, it's a good thing, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I have a big appreciation for is there's a lot of people that um, you know, that I interviewed in the first season that I have a really high respect for that gave me a lot of positive feedback on their experience being on it. And then even people that haven't been on it that have listened to it and that have given me really good feedback. And that's been, uh, it's been very um, encouraging to, to make it go further. You know, I want to interview more bands that are more bands out, you know, more bands, more bands, more amazing creative minds, you know, um, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is that I'll I'll stop on the four hundredth and fortieth episode. <laughs> Damn. What one idea I had was having the last episode be like a live episode and actually people playing live. Oh, so that'd it's be like cool. an event. It's like a recorded Sounds event. Sounds like you're gonna put me to work. <laughs> hint, um, hint. So that's one of the things awesome. I was thinking about. But now, uh, I also know too that you uh, you reach out to the artists and you kind of set everything up. Is there a way for people to get in touch with you if they'd like to be featured? If is there an email? Or yes, great question. So DM your four forty pot Instagram. What's what's your Instagram at? Uh, the four forty guitar podcast at four forty guitar podcast. Yeah. So so yeah. The I try to have everything the same so for continuity purposes. So at the four forty guitar podcast on Instagram, you can direct message me. That works there. Also, um, the 440 podcast um, at gmail.com. Send me an email as well. Um, yeah, yeah and those those are the two main media platforms I'm using because, God, it's hard managing all that. I, I, I understand why there's, there's social media content managers because, God, it's hard. But, um, yeah, message me on there. I, you know, work with, uh, you know, to me it's just all about getting those getting those conversations out and experiences and feelings. And, and you know, it's funny just to talk about me as being, being a host. I've for these years of learning all these things, right. Learning how to do this, 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 and then just me creatively, like listening to these artists or random music, you know, and having an opinion on something and just being like, I wonder if someone else feels this way. Yeah. You know? And it's funny because I, the more people I talk to, the more I'm like, they feel that way too. You know what I mean? So it's it's funny how it's a huge world, yet a lot of us really feel, a lot of us have very much similar experiences, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it should be more of a reason to bring people together. Well, I definitely think that you're doing that, and uh, it's been awesome getting a chance to host this, and uh, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you, man. Hey, you're, you're one of my best friends, so I you're the perfect person to do it and especially with you know your caliber of artistry so thank you for doing that i'm grateful that you had me well that's it everybody today for the uh, 440 guitar podcast remember you can catch all the past episodes on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and also at anchor.fm slash 440 thanks for being with us and uh stay tuned for season two i'm dominic paramo have a good one mm-hmm.